I did nothing. Whew. Season five. That I is meant. impressive. Season five. Welcome to season five of Best of Five. Uh, coming to Epic Game Store this fall. <laughs> uh, welcome everybody to another episode of Best of Five. My name is Elon. I'm joined here with Steve, Main Squeeze, Ace King, Offsuit, Jurek, hanging out on the mic. What up, Steve? What is good? There's a lot that's good. Not first, on our mic, though. Yeah. First of all, uh, <laughs> I think I have to sub too much. But uh, Kwanzai, thank you for resubscribing. Uh, 31 months in a row, my friend. Much appreciated. Um, thank you, Kwanzai. Man, uh, we got a lot to talk about this week. Um, announcements were made at 7.31 p.m., a minute after our show ended last week. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about CPT online and all the crazy shenanigans that went on there. We're going to talk about uh, Animevo's getting more games. We're going to talk about the NG Plus showcase that happened earlier today. Finally, somebody announcing shit before our show. Not after. Goddamn. And then we're going to get to an interview with Bestaban later on down the line. But Steve, before we get to all of that, Do you want to bring back, for the second week in a row, please, hit us with that recap. I think we can do that. Um, The Capcom Pro Tour continued. Uh, This was the first event on the North American side of things. North America East number one took place this past weekend. Uh, This field included over 300 players, some very big names, Smug, Knuckledew in there, uh, Shine, CJ Truth, and Idom, the man who is already qualified for Capcom Cup, threw his name into the hat, uh, did pretty well for himself, made it to winner's side top eight, uh, and we'll discuss what happened afterwards in a bit, but it at the end of the day, it came down to Metro M and DR Mandrake. It is Mandrake who got the win, uh, held off Metro M's uh, reset to take the tournament. Mandrake going to Capcom Cup. Was anybody else cheering for Metro M? Or was it just me? I kind of wanted Metro M to win. There, there was a significant portion uh, who was not unfortunately, for reasons other than his gameplay. Yep. Well, we can uh, get he, into he, that He was now. doing some pretty sick stuff. He was doing some pretty sick stuff with Vega, though. Yeah. We can get into that now. So, uh, the big blow-up, as it were, was um, Metro M, who is out of the Maryland area, uh, the DMV area. I'm pretty sure that's around Baltimore. I could be wrong about that. Um, uh, was... Like, a lot of people were complaining about uh, his or her internet connection. Uh, the Wi-Fi in the basement mix-up. Um, and so much so that our uh, champion, Idom, uh, forfeit his match for top three. Or top four, I'm sorry. To, uh, to Metro because he didn't want to play Metro uh, because of the connection issues. Shortly after that, El Chacote, who, by the way, had no problem with his connection when he beat Metro M earlier in the tournament, earlier in top eight, mind you, um, also 
decided to forfeit because he didn't want to play Metro M uh, due to their connection. So, is this a problem we foresaw coming? Uh, yes and no. I think I didn't expect people to straight up forfeit their match in top eight. Um, and first of all, actually, before we keep going, I do want to say like big shout out to Ringe and Vicious for holding down the mic and keeping things lively while a shitty situation happened. Um, I really very much appreciate them uh, doing what they did, uh, and they killed it. just want to bring that. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the big discussion was should Idom have been allowed to enter the tournament? I oh, but, So Steve and I disagreed but, with but, this. Steve and I disagreed with this on Sunday when this was happening. After a little bit of thought, I have changed my mind. Now, do I disagree harder Aww. or do I agree? Who knows? Uh, we'll see. But uh, what, what were you going to say, Steve? Well, I mean, well, there are really two issues here. Mm-hmm. One is um, the forfeiting that happened. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, with IDOM, the the only prize at stake this weekend was a place in Capcom Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Item forfeiting, that doesn't change. It's a different situation for item forfeiting versus uh, El Chicote forfeiting, even though they happened back to back. That is a separate issue in my mind from whether or not item should have been allowed to enter. Am, are you still there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Okay. You're talking. I, 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 I wasn't it's sure. Season five, baby. We got new stuff. Uh, but yeah, um, <laughs> this is this is. I, I'm getting blown away here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So here's here's the sitch. Uh, as far as uh, so we can we can talk about the decuming stuff. Blah blah blah. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to talk about item being let in. Now, my argument was, hey. First season of Street Fighter V, Infiltration won like a billion tournaments after qualifying out of final round. Takedo entered and got second place in a billion tournaments after qualifying for final round or qualifying for Capcom Cup, the tournament after. Um, so, what's the difference here? And I know what that answer is now, but. Shouldn't you let Idom play? What's the what's the harm, right? Granted, now we know the now we know what the harm is. Um, so I, I felt at the time that you know it it didn't matter whether he entered or not. So what was the big deal? Now, one thing that I did fail to think about was hold on. Let me put myself up on here. Check this shit out. Zoop. Uh, we're playing Marvel. Uh, one thing I did kind of uh, not think about was the fact that with the in-person tournaments, like Infiltration going to SoCal Regionals, Takedo keeping going to everything, uh, there's money on the line. 
I just completely forgot about that. I forgot about the world where we play for money. Uh, and, uh, you know, even though they were auto-qualified, you could still go to seedings, blah, 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 whatever. That doesn't matter as much to me, for real. Um, but I think the prize money and <laughs> and everything else that came with the win uh, kind of ruined my thought process. So I am happy to say that I I was wrong. And you know what? We saw the... Uh, consequences of letting somebody who was already qualified entering the online tournament with no prize money or anything uh, in the sense that Idom just gave up and didn't want to play Metro, uh, which brought now, up a lot of issues. Go yeah. ahead, Steve. Now, to be, to be fair, uh, let's not... I, I don't want to give the impression that uh, Idom forfeit or that he didn't play up to his ability because everything we had seen up to that point showed that he was playing, he was playing very well Mm -hmm. throughout the tournament. Uh, He was giving maximum effort. He wasn't necessarily, you know, throwing a match just to throw it. Um, He was not alone in having connection issues in trying to match up with Metro M. Um, That said, my position on this is, he was in a position where he could have easily uh, done nothing but manipulate the bracket, where he could, you know, it ended up in a situation where someone basically got to walk from loser's quarterfinal all the way to grand final, or loser semi all the way to grand final. Um, It creates the opportunity for someone with bad intentions to... Uh, cause havoc with the bracket. Um, Obviously, that's not what IDOM did here. Uh, He quit for another reason. But the potential is so easily there. And especially in a case like this, where there's nothing else at stake. You know, in previous years, those players were still playing for money. Those players were still playing for seeding to uh, improve their place, uh, give themselves a better chance of winning Capcom Cup. Neither of that applies to these online tournaments in this format. So for IDOM to be allowed to compete here doesn't make sense to me. Now, I don't begrudge IDOM. He has a right to play meaningful matches when he can, and as things stand, these are going to be the only real meaningful matches as far as CPT goes for a while. But I just feel like it creates the opportunity for problems that are completely avoidable. If you let IDOM or now Mandrake or Phenom uh, compete in future qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, much like you said, I don't blame IDOM for this at all. Um, you know, this is, this is kind of, uh, this was Capcom's decision and IDOM was just doing his thing. Um, but yeah, um, you know, having, and I don't blame my dumb for the decision he made either, because were I in his shoes, I probably would have done the same thing, to be honest, where it's like, oh, I'm already in. Do I sit through this laggy ass match and get frustrated or do I just, you know, go do my thing? Like, I'd go do my thing, to be honest. I don't need my, my blood pressure going any higher. Uh, so, uh. Yeah, I don't blame him at all. I did think it was very interesting that uh, El Chacote 
immediately followed suit in uh, DQing himself, not wanting to play Metro. Uh, Situations were a little different. Um, El Chicote uh, went, he played the first two matches of, or first two games of the match, excuse mm-hmm. me, um, and then forfeited before starting the third one, whereas IDOM basically quit at the end of the first game or towards the end of the first game. Um, so slightly different uh, in how it rolled out. But once that happened, um, there was a lot of uh, push for another decision that Capcom made, which is banning the grid, uh, the grid being the training stage in the game. Uh, widely reported to be one of the uh, least laggy or the only non-like game uh, stage in the game, excuse me. Um, those the rules are of the CPT ban the grid because one of the more common complaints back in previous Evos and Capcom Cups is casual viewers were seeing everybody playing on a training stage mm-hmm. and they thought, oh, it this doesn't matter. This looks boring. This either looks boring or they didn't think it was an actual match. So. They made the decision where everything's got to be on an action on another stage, um, and that has caused problems. and And it sort of set up the situation where you have a rule set up for the viewers, and it comes a bit at the expense of the players. Right. Yeah, I mean, and it's one of those things where. You know, and it's crazy because there have been a lot of people that have been responding with. Uh, answers either in support of or against uh, this decision. Uh, things like I, I've seen someone say things like, uh, "Oh, uh, the stage doesn't affect lag when it actually does." Uh, and thank you to Lord Keats, Lord of Netcodes, uh, for uh, explaining that. Um, yeah, so there's a bunch of people who have their theories but don't necessarily know how it goes in practice. So, yeah, on paper, it seems like a good idea, right? It's like, oh, everybody's tired of the grid stage. Let's take it out. Um, but in practice, now that we're playing online and now that we're in a completely separate environment, we need at least some form of consistency uh, or as much of it as we can, right? Um, so I'm hoping that they decide to walk that decision back. Uh, I'm hoping they also decide to walk the decision of letting people who've already qualified from playing uh, keep from playing. Um, But, you know, it's in the hands of Lord Capcom now. Um, So we'll see what they do. They're probably going to announce it at 7.31 p.m. tonight. (laughs) I I, I understand why that rule is in place, though. You mean, I've said it a few times. The pro, t- the CPT is effectively an ad for Street Fighter V for Capcom's games, and they want to put the most appealing product they can forward. So, I, I, as, especially you know, since Capcom is the one th- fronting six figures in order to for these players to play for, is this an acceptable trade-off? Do you feel? I, I, I kind of go back and forth on this. Hmm. I don't know. 
Is anything an acceptable trade-off to anything? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I have an answer. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where as we dance on the uh, esports dance floor, we got to kind of find our footing. Yeah. I yeah. just came up with that analogy, by the Dude, way. So if it sucks, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm gonna give you a round of applause for that one. I'm sorry, a round of applause. Anyway, sorry, I'm in the host seat, and it was led by Ephraim before, so all the dad jokes are hitting me. Uh, it's like an ESP thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's always been like there's been this weird argument recently where uh, for tournaments, it's always been either like what's the what's the optimal experience? Is it the player or the viewer? Right. Um. And I think we were uh, – never mind. We'll talk about mine going elsewhere. Uh, I think we were reaching a point where people were happy with the balance of viewer to player enjoyment, I think. Uh, But, yeah, it's it's hard to say, like, what's taking priority here. Uh, I think from Capcom's perspective, I think the viewership – is going to be the big priority, right? Because that's like those are the people who are gonna want to spend money on the game, and that's gonna also gonna be more people than the players. Um, so it's I don't know. That's a hard thing to balance and something I don't have an answer for. Yeah, you know, and, and this is one of those things where, you know, this is something impacted by this shift to online. You know, mm-hmm. there's obviously there's been like issues reported with stages in offline events. But when you put it in an online experience now, now that issue gets exacerbated. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. wondering if they would do it, if they would roll it back just for this year or just for online, offline, or excuse me, online events. And then once we get to Capcom Cup, nope, you're pay- playing on the stage of. Or the blank of destiny, whatever. Mm-hmm. The, the, of destiny. the kitchen, the kitchen of destiny. <laughs> you know, it's like in Kitchen yeah. Stadium with the, that old uh, Iron Chef show. Oh yeah, Ale Cuisine. That's... Uh, yeah, you know, when, you if you remember... win, you get to bite a pepper. <laughs> Damn dude, I I always admire that host for biting peppers, but now I eat peppers raw, and they're pretty good. Um, but. You guys remember when we had the Altamore patch and the game felt great online? I missed that. <laughs> I really missed that. I, I have that never felt... played so much Street Fighter V <laughs> when I was playing with the Altamore patch. Uh, and it's sad that Capcom didn't take the low-hanging fruit of just using that. Granted, I don't know if there were issues with the patch. I don't know anything behind them. But, but yeah. Man, I remember seeing Ultra David play somebody from fucking the Middle East and the connection was bearable. You know, you know how far how far back that feels? It feels like it's that was years. also twenty twenty. Wait, was that twenty twenty? <laughs> that that patch was January twenty twenty. Good God. Where am I? When am I? <clears throat> Jesus Christ, that feels like I honestly thought it was twenty nineteen, twenty eighteen. Um it feels like it. <laughs> Different times <laughs> back then. <laughs> uh, this this summer has been a year. <laughs> man, every week feels like a year. Uh, but yeah, speaking of 
things uh, and it being not in a timely manner and announcements right after our show. Uh, as of 7.31 p.m. last week, Central Time, uh, immediately when I hit the go offline button, uh, Capcom announced that I or uh, I dumb, that FChamp is now banned from Capcom tournaments. Yep, cool. this is uh, follow. <laughs> Go ahead. This is uh, sorry. This is uh, following to last week when uh, F Champ was banned from multiple events, including Big E events, uh, ECT, and uh, Combo Breaker. In response to him tweeting a picture of a watermelon with the hashtag Watermelon Lives Matter, uh, we discussed that a bunch uh, last week. But now Capcom has stepped in, so he is banned indefinitely. Uh, not permanently, just indefinitely. Uh, from all tournaments and events uh, operated by Capcom, including the Capcom Pro Tour and Street Fighter League. Now, granted, he hasn't earned a point on the CPT since 2018. Uh, hasn't... Uh, his last big performance was at Evo 2018 when he got ninth, but has not been a regular fixture on the CPT uh, in 2019. So it's doubtful this will have a meaningful uh, effect on his plans for 2020. Yep. I mean, you know, that's the decision they made. Great. Moving on. <laughs> I really don't want to talk about that. Uh... That's fair. That's fair. Sorry. Uh, God damn it. I got to send Mike a new code. So, Steve, you stall for 30 seconds while I send Mike his code. All right. Um, I can talk a little bit about Animevo because mm-hmm. not a whole lot to talk about yet. Uh, they did announce that they will be announcing more games soon. Uh, this is on top of the 24 that they announced uh, just a couple weeks ago uh, for their online anime Evo tournament series. Uh, Dates still to be determined, but they've had over 200 volunteers uh, sign up to take part of this, so expect some big, big things. Um, I would not be surprised if there was like some random Marvel or Tatsunoko versus Capcom added in there. Anything is possible. Just because. Yeah, uh, and if you guys weren't here, was it two weeks ago? Um, we got a, we got the chat with uh, one of the co-founders of Animevo. Speaking of founders, there's Mike. DJ Cream. Hold on. There we go. Sorry, I fixed it. Uh, Mike, you are now with us. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hello, uh, I'm not sure what I've ever founded, but um, I'll take it. Yep. Uh, I didn't know how to make a good segue, so I just said whatever word I said before. Um, but yeah. You um, are a founding member of the Best of Three crew. That is true. That before, is true. There you go. Be- before it was even Best of Three, what was it? The uh, The loadout. The loadout. It was just an extension of another show. <laughs> um, yeah, you, we were we were talking earlier about uh, how this is now best of five season five. So you were there for season one of best of three. Uh, 
technically now season one of best of five whatever you want to call it um cool uh do you have any thoughts about the f champ stuff <laughs> before we move on from it um also any chance you could move your camera down a little bit so you're higher in the yeah. frame sweet thanks. Prob- probably nothing too creative um what he said was really dumb and really bad and insensitive um kind of deserves what he has coming to him at the same time there is a question of inconsistency mm-hmm. and i'm sure you guys have already said all that but yeah what? i mean he's he's an idiot um but they need to figure out a way to handle these issues that isn't ban people who are already retired and or ban themselves and then not deal with people who are actually in the community right now. You know, it's all, it's all a little questionable. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. Let's move on. Have they ever uh, banned a white person? Um, um, who, um, the, I don't remember Sarah Blast's uh, race off the top of my head. I'm sorry. I don't keep track of those things. I keep track of a lot of things <laughs> on my spreadsheet. Player race is not one of them. Yeah. Oh, guilty. Okay. Oh, just food for thought. Okay. Um, All right. But, but yeah, not, not too much to say on it that hasn't already been said. Right. Um, okay. Well, let's get the fun stuff. Um, 2020 is saved. I don't know if you guys okay. saw that. Uh 2020 is now a good year uh, because uh, a giant announcement was made. I, know, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, New Game Plus showcase that was shown off uh, earlier today. But uh, in this uh, showcase, they announced that our favorite game, Fight of Crabs, is coming to Steam on July yes. 3rd. Yes! Game looks cool. There's new weapons. I That one looks like Raphael. Um, wow. That's Add intense. Fight Crab to Evo 2021, you cowards. Kind of reminds me of Katamari Damacy. Yeah, but I instead of rolling them up, you're hitting Chopping them down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, this game looks insane. I can't wait for it to come out on Steam on July 30th so I can play it. Damn, look at that tornado move. That was sick. Off topic, is there a way to get that to play in the um, the thingy, the the screenshot, if we have it on uh, YouTube? I'm What's trying. Screenshot? I'm trying to talk, and I can't. Uh, you know that uh, screen we created, with, where it's oh, like a yeah. screen. Yeah, I just forgot because I'm a dummy. Um, it's okay. It's, so. it's season. It's it's episode zero of season five. We're yes. in beta. It's a it's a rollout. Uh, it's a rollout of episode zero. Um, but look, you have to pin the crab to win. Uh, but fight crab coming to Steam July thirtieth. Um, I'm excited. This alone saves 2020 for me, uh, and it should save 2020 for you as well. Um, alongside. This, uh, they also announced the new Sam Show character, which I have right here. Uh, there now, were a lot I of was, Go for it. Go I was just saying that I was talking about this the other week. I love this character because I love nameless grunt characters that just, like, look generic. They are totally my thing. 
And so this is who I would consider playing in this game. Yeah, this is point. this a crossover anyone was expecting? Absolutely not. It's, it's I could never have guessed. Yeah, this is almost as crazy as the crossovers we're getting in Smash, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but, you know, it makes sense. You know, the Bushido code versus the chivalry. The code is, of for chivalry. Honor, is For Honor the one that was like the over-the-shoulder kind of yeah. game? Yeah. It was basically Pokken, uh, but with medieval people. That was one of those games where, like, every year people think they're going to, like, make a fighting game scene out of something. But people just don't like getting too far out of the formula. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's kind of what that game was. Yeah, just a I little did, too far out of the formula. I did play the game for a while. Uh, even competed at uh, Final Round uh, 2018, I think. No, 2017. Um, and, uh, you know, it was 2v2, which was interesting. <laughs> Uh, and uh, my team wound up getting eliminated by uh, the team of Kazunoko and Fudo. Uh, so they were they were killing it at this game too. Um, but anyway, there you go. He comes out in tomorrow. In tomorrow, uh, you'll see available tomorrow. Uh, for Samurai Showdown. Uh, but yeah, you know what? The game was fun for a while. Uh, it had its problems, much like every other game. And the online sucks, much like every other fighting game. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was still a fun game. I enjoyed the time I had with it. And, uh, seeing yeah, Sam Show is super neat. I, I actually really enjoyed Sam Show. I think it's a little sad. Like, it had either the most fortunate or unfortunate release, um, depending on the way you put it, where it was insanely popular, um, probably more than it ever would have been due to its release for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Evo just like marked an early death for it mm-hmm. that created a game that was extremely popular for like two months and then not after that. I thought it was really fun. And I thought like the better player usually won as long as they were playing, you know, a good character. The balance was atrocious at the time. Right. But it was a, it was a simple fighting game without too much to go outside the rules. But at the same time, the damage was so high and the pace was so fast that it was interesting, despite being simple. So I I thought they got that right, and I thought it felt kind of like what people liked about a lot of the old games like SF2, where it's just like, oh, yeah, I I understand why he won that. Yeah. Yeah, is Is it one of those things where everybody just got bored with it, or is it just the unfortunate situation of every other game uh, being out at the same time. The online sucked. Evo was the biggest tournament that it was ever going to have. And so I think people kind of saw that, but Steve, you had something to say. I was going to say, it feels like we have this conversation where every game that isn't like in the top three, if it's not uh, on the marquee, it's a dead game. It's a dying game. Right. I feel like we need to adjust our expectations a bit. Of course. Uh, you know, there's still going to be a dedicated scene for that, just like there's a dedicated scene for the plethora of games out there. Because how many viable fighting games are out there right now? I would argue more than at almost any other point in recent memory. So the fact that Sam Show is still going, that it's still receiving support, 
it's not just limping along. It's still there despite having like seven, eight, possibly even ten solid competitors depending on how you count them. Very true. Um, it's cool think... they're still making it, and it's cool that licenses are being thrown around the way they are nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it shows, you know, some developer camaraderie, and I think it's fun for, for players. So I, I see nothing bad about this, and I think the character looks cool. Yeah, and I think I think For Honor still has a scene. I think it's a very really? different scene than from FGC stuff. Uh but I do think they still have like a very active uh, community. Uh, I, I can believe that. Yeah, I I think they still run turn. I remember watching. I remember like stumbling across a Twitch channel uh, where they were having a For Honor online tournament, and it looked super cool. Um, and the the commentators and the people playing seemed very excited about it. So, you know, if you're happy doing it, man, keep doing it. Um, so I mean, it appeals a lot to people who are like Dark Souls and like Demon Souls players, yep. who like the PvP and that. It's it's a much more fleshed out version. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not the same thing, but it's it's its own semi genre. Yeah. Um. Let's get to more announcements. Uh, Arxis before had, before no, we do that, before it. we we got to thank uh, Lord Dorkface uh, subscribing to us for Twitch Prime. Oh shit! Uh, with Lord Twitch Dorkface. Prime, excuse me. So, thank you, Lord Dorkface. Thank you. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, sorry, we missed it. That was four minutes ago. I apologize. Um. Arxis had a big presence at the uh, New Game Plus showcase. Uh, they had a lot of non-fighting game titles on there. But they showed off some more Guilty Gear Strive stuff. No new characters, but they showed off Zato and Milia. There you go, Steve. I fixed it. Ooh. Yay. Uh, they... This was basically just showing off some of the combos and stuff. I don't know if I notice anything different as far as the game systems, because I know they were talking about changing the Gatling systems and all this other stuff, but the grime and the Oki and all the crazy shenanigans is back. These are some wild exchanges. Uh, I know they specifically showed like one of Millie's like knockdown setups towards the end. And it's how crazy. Her... How... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say her air dash is also like stupid fast for some reason. It's crazy how cool this game looks when they turn off everything, and then how horrible it looks when they turn it on. So hopefully, like you know, the developers see that. Apparently, they have. So because I mean, I, I actually love the art style right now when there's no like gigantic numbers everywhere on the screen, mm-hmm. and I think it's super unique. I think it looks like a weird. Like, the first truly next-gen fighting game, if we're calling, you know, PS4 the last one. Even though, I guess, this is coming out for... Is this PS4 or is this PS5? Yeah, they, they noted we, PS4 it's... on the conference. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think it's... Would you be surprised if it was... Go ahead. I was just going to say, would not be surprised if it was made uh, cross-platform. Yeah. Um, okay, here it is. Basically, any game... Yeah. Where did that hit? What the fuck? It still has the startup, but it's actually, like, almost a boon in that situation where it lets you do the weird 50-50 with that thing. So, yeah. I hate this character. I've always what hated this character. in the world? I cannot wait to try her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exactly in the opposite uh, camp. Uh, but, yeah. 
I, you know, I'm excited for this game. I hope it comes out. I hope when it comes out, I'm still as excited for it. Uh, it is coming early 2021, and on the top right, you can see it says PlayStation 4. No PlayStation okay, 5 announcement of any sort yet. But I'm excited for it, and so, I'm glad that they got to show off some um, of those characters. Go ahead, Steve. Just to cl- just to clarify, uh, there are reports that say that are saying that any game released for PS4 uh, from July onward must be built with uh, compatibility backwards compatibility for PS5 in mind. Mm-hmm. So you should be able to play the the details are still to to be determined, but some way, shape, or form. Uh, it might be a little bit after launch, but you should be able to play this on PS5. Yeah. There are a lot of games that are coming out that are PlayStation 4, and then they're planning on having like some sort of DLC so that it is tailored to the PlayStation 5 uh, once it comes out. I know specifically the new uh, Marvel Avenger games is having that as well as Cyberpunk. Uh, but yeah. So should be interesting. I... Part of me thinks that that's why the delay is there, so they can tailor stuff to PlayStation 5. Uh, I could be completely wrong about that, as I'm sure I probably am. But there's a part of me that thinks that. Let's get to more announcement stuff, because uh, we're quickly running out of time before Bestabon comes on. Uh, they announced the ARMS character in Smash. Was it yesterday morning? Or this morning? Yeah, I think so. I think it was yesterday morning. Yeah. We finally figured out who the new character is. And this character looks crazy. I think the character looks cool. It was not who I wanted from the ARMS characters. Uh, I like several of them more than her. But I thought they did a good job putting an ARMS character in a Smash game from what we saw in the Direct. Mm. Yeah, the character I don't know. looks crazy. Yeah, like you instead of having special moves, you have like you use the second arm with the B button, so like you're you're controlling. They've definitely gone a little out there with some of the Smash Ultimate characters, which I appreciate. Yeah, no, it's super cool. Uh, I think we've seen stuff. I, I think the first time we ever saw this was in Tekken, right? When Akuma came in, that was like the first time where it was like completely like different, uh, where it was taking mechanics from their game and putting it into a new game. Uh, so it's cool to see that more games are doing it because i i think those are super cool uh i am very appreciative that they put my arms main on there uh on the smash and i'm gonna have to try it even though i haven't played smash in a long time uh, but yeah. i don't know if they say, I, I i don't know if they're doing like a, a balance patch with this or anything it'd be interesting because their patches are so weird and like random and balanced for quick play rather than the competitive scene. So, like, mm-hmm. sometimes these things shake things up, and it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get to it a little bit later, but uh, there were also other Smash I, news that didn't have to do with Ultimate. But go on, Steve. I, I was saying the biggest thing is Min Min is a spirit uh, in the game. So this was, for people who weren't excited about Min Min in particular, they still had something to take away from this because this means that characters who are spirits right now still have a chance to get in. So mm. Gino fans, they're right back in the mix. <laughs> yeah. I think the craziest thing about this new character is how she can 
you can switch the her right arm. Like you can switch the weapon. That's crazy. Yeah, she has different weapons, and you can control. You can actually smash attack in two different directions, like at mm-hmm. the same time. Yeah, which is something that you know seems like it's designed for a free for all, but may have some sort of use in the in the way we play competitive Smash. And it'll certainly be interesting in like doubles. Um. Yeah. I cannot wait to see how that character shakes out for real. Uh, it's going to be crazy. It's really easy, especially if you're like a fighting game player looking at Smash from the outside to distance yourself from just how how much more how many more people play Smash casually and for fun than do with any sort of competitive view in mind. Mm-hmm. So like it's interesting sometimes watching Smash players' reactions to a trailer or something Sakurai says, because Sakurai will always talk about how, like, oh, you know, this is good in a eight-player match, and people get mad, but it's like, <laughs> do you know why Smash exists? Like, I'm not even just, like, like outside of the party game meme, I'm like, the reason you keep getting new Smash games that you enjoy playing is because they do this for all the people out there who just want to play for fun. For sure. So. They also announced, speaking of crazy crossovers, they also announced a ton of other shit. Uh, in the form of me fighters, so let's check this shit out. Uh, Should including... we do a live block grab? Okay, let's do it. Let's do a block grab like hella quick because uh, we have about ten minutes. Uh, so as soon as they show the first one, there he is. Uh, Nin- Ninjara, right? Ninjara, I think that's his name. Uh, block grab for Ninjara and Smash. Um. I'm going to have to block because it just feels weird having like the actual Min Min and then the weird Mii Fighter of this guy. Mm-hmm. Also, the Mii Sword Fighter has a Chakram. So why was he not a Sword Fighter instead of a Brawler? I mean, I guess like the Sword Fighter is a sword and you never had a sword, but I don't know. They, I think they messed that one up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to block. How about you, Steve? Ninjara, block rap. <laughs> Despite it not being Twintel... Um, I think, you know, you got to represent the series. So I'm going to go, I'm going to grab, not for me, but I feel like it's a good add, add on. Gotcha. I'm a block. I don't like Ninjara. He's cheap. I love, I love Springman. I love Ribbon Girl. I love Twintel. I don't understand how the two characters they put in this game were this like <laughs> standard ass ninja and then Min Min. Like who, who, what? Someone saying Min Min's most popular character in their arms? There's no way, man. Everyone loves Twintel, right? I, what? I don't know. Min-min's maybe I'm a maybe Min-min the man, circles so you run with. <laughs> maybe the circles you run with uh, love Twintel. All right, I, let's I, get... I, that might say more about the circles than you. Let's yeah, because they have good one. taste. Uh, oh, there's more uh, Ninjara <laughs> stuff. The Ninjara is a brawler. Yeah, that was bizarre. I was expecting like a long range character now this is this is some shit there's so this Harada, one's interesting i gotta grab because it's a hachi and it's cool but like how are some of the characters gonna be like full redesigns of the me costume that look exactly like their in-game equivalents and then hey hachi looks like i like spilled coffee on the controller during the me character fucking creation screen like this is this is like Anyone could have made this in five minutes. Anyone on earth. And then you look at like Cuphead and Sans, and they're exactly, they're like models from a game. But I think it's hilarious anyway, so I'm still going to grab. Steve? Black Rab on Heihachi. 
Hihachi was also a character, um, a me costume in Smash Wii U. Mm. I would have loved to see a different Tekken character. Yeah, that's that true. Here, so, so although I appreciate the Tekken representation, I got a block. Yeah, I didn't know he was there for Tekken Wii U, so I'm a block. Too much, too much reusing assets. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, the Splatoon lady. These ones are a little creepy looking. They are a little scary, know. huh? <laughs> I, I'm not feeling this. Wait, where'd her leg go? Oh, it's covered by the the gunner thing. Okay, I was scared for a second. <laughs> I kind of I saw it too. Oh shit! All right, block grab on the the Splatoon. I'm it is these the are mouths. The, DJs? the mouths are weird, man. They're like the the hosts kind of a Splatoon too. Yeah. Put some respect on the name of the Squid Sisters. <laughs> if you don't play these characters with Calamari Incantation playing in the background, you are doing this wrong. <laughs> this is an absolute grab. <laughs> absolute grab. Now, I would. Do they have the Squid song in Smash yet? Can you play that song with the Kid Squid Kid Squid song? You know what I'm talking about from the commercial? You're a kid, you're a squid, you're a kid, you're a squid. Actually, I don't think I've heard that one. That's really funny, though. Oh, that should definitely I be think... a Smash background song. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, I'm a, you know what? I'll, I'll grab, I guess, just to not get on Steve's bad side. <laughs> good move, good move. They look terrible. Sorry. I don't Locked. disagree. <laughs> it's really scary. Uh all right, uh, let's get to the next one. And this, I think, blew everyone away. I, and they're guaranteed to have one out of left field every time now. Yeah, but and this? here we go. This is way out of left field. They, they, they did a really – it looks like his own character. Like they gave him the, his own gun or whatever, and like the animations line up with it pretty well. I was pretty impressed by this. Like, he, he really looks like his own character in the game. Yeah, it's it's like what you were saying with the Heihachi costume. It just looks like it was so crumbled together. And then they have this. Like, if you if you put a weird move that... Because people don't know what Meat Gunner does. So, like, if you put a trailer as if he was a new character, people would believe it. That's that's how different he looks from a Meat Fighter. Yeah. So. Sure. All right, uh, Black Grab on Vault Boy from Fallout 4, or Fallout in general. I'll grab it. It's fun. It's like a really weird pick. Like, it's from a different series than you would expect, and it's not someone that actually... It's like Vault Boy isn't even a real thing. It's just like a piece of propaganda in the game. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that they made him a character. I, I, I got to go grab. It would be a grab just based on the character itself. Uh, but it's a super grab. It's an instant grab uh, with the dog meat reference. In that, oh, what was the dog meat reference? Just, I didn't even see it. Oh, Adam, there you go. Okay, uh, yeah. yeah, that's funny. That uh, was... Mwah. I, I got to borrow this from Ultra, Ultra David. <laughs> Look, I... I'm going to grab just because it gets us one step closer to even wackier Smash characters. 
Give me. Yeah, they said they're... another five. They said there's definitely going to be another five. Let's see. Um... So it's Dylon, Dylon, Gino, Dylon, and Dylon. There's your Gino, five. Gino alert. is truly like. There may not be a bigger group of head cases on the earth than the <laughs> Gino for Smash people. This is like a weird, boring side character from a game with like infinitely better characters everywhere. I don't think there is a character that doesn't have better dialogue than Gino. And he's just like, like what? Why? Would Gino as a me a Gino as a me costume would piss people off more than it would make them happy, right? Very true. Very true. But I think that the, might happen. See, the beauty part, the beautiful part is every all of those crazy Smash fans were obsessed with getting their character and they had something to pull away from this weekend. Because, you know, if you're a Geno fan, you have the fact that ghosts or uh, spirits are eligible to be characters. Mm-hmm. If you're a Goku fan, Sakurai mentioned Vegeta by name during the the direct. I was just so they got you the, have well they got the it's because they were talking matter. about the voice actor though. Don't don't bring facts into this. See, we're Frog is actually Goku. a cool character. Frog is much cooler than Gina. And okay, I I like Super Trigger. Mario RPG much more than I like Chrono Trigger, but I prefer Frog to Gina. Yeah, you know what? I just want you know what? Put Resident Evil in there. Give me a Joe Valentine or. a... Leon. That's what I want. Well, we saw the new Resident Evil trailer a couple weeks ago or whatever. And it had what? It had like Chris and the dude, Ethan? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so there's everybody fighting together as they do in the Super Smash Brothers world. Lots of fighting. Fighting around the world. Those are all the reveals. Uh, I it's think just... <laughs> all of them. The me costumes always make me laugh because, like, I've played a lot of Smash, and to be fair, since like the Mies have come out, you know, I've been in my I'm not I've been in my twenties, you know, I'm not playing with elementary scores anymore. But I've never seen someone pick a me really, like ever. Like, I think people buy these just to have them in their collection. No one wants to play the me. No one wants to sit next to the kid who plays the me. So <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah, um, I've never played I want, one character, so I'm right there with you. All I want is for Gino to be the next character, uh, because like you mentioned, there's going to be five more characters in the season. Mm-hmm. I want Gino to be named, but I want the trailer to be Sakurai just sitting on a chair. It's fucking Gino. Shut <laughs> the fuck up. <laughs> Smash logo. <laughs> My ten that's really that's well, it. Well, that's actually. all you need. He says it in English, too, on top of everything. That'd be pretty dope. Um, I think we covered everything. Oh, uh, they also announced a bunch of uh, Neo Geo Color games are coming to the Switch. And that's the old like Neo Geo handheld system. So if you want 8-bit versions of games that you can play in 16 or 32-bit, you now have the option via the Switch. Via yeah. Neo Geo Color. And last but not least, I think the last item on our... Uh, on our list here is that DBFZ Dragon Ball Fighters uh, has reached five million copies sold. Right? Is that right? Five million copies sold. Yes. Yep. Crosses five million five sales million worldwide. 
So shout outs to DBFC still moving units. And, oh, Neo Geo Pocket Color. That was the name of it. Sorry, not the Neo Geo Color. I apologize. But yeah, DBFZ, 5 million sales. Good shit. One other Someone... quick note. Um, uh, through Jill, or excuse me, through uh, June 25th, so through Thursday, you have the chance to download Injustice 1 for free. Uh, through PS4, Xbox Live, or PC. Mm -hmm. So if you want to mess around in that game, you've got a couple days to pick that up. Gotcha. For All right. the price of free 99 I think yeah, that's always worth it. All right. Drop. Mike, Jeez. somebody asked, uh, you weren't here for it, but we discussed it a little bit. What were your thoughts of the CPT stuff from this weekend? Okay, so let me clear a few things up. Um, was there any money no. in that tournament? No, it was no. just a qualify. No. So they had the easy opportunity to, to make it only available to people who hadn't qualified. That's an argument. Um, I've always – people have talked about, like, you know, banning already qualified players from the Pro Tour, but they need a way to practice too. So I haven't, I haven't ever been on board with that. I think in this situation, I don't think IDOM should have DQ'd like that, but at the same time, it is an unfortunate scenario where, like, even people not known to complain were saying, yeah, this guy's connection is that bad. And that sucks. I don't know what you do about that when the games – my cats are fighting right behind me. Um, when <laughs> the games online suffers that much from a bad connection. I think the chat log makes it look like Idom had the opportunity to try something else and didn't. Obviously, the grid should not be banned. It's stupid. Um, horrible idea. Obviously, you should not DQ yourself in the later rounds of the tournament. It's a dick move. Um, I think not so obviously banning people from these online CPT tournaments who have already qualified is kind of up in the air. But this certainly makes a case for it if they're not going to try. Overall, he shouldn't have let his pride get to him to that point. If you're going to lose because of lag, no one's going to judge you that hard. You're the CPT champ. Just make a tweet about it later and play the match. So that's how I feel. But I don't I don't think you should see any repercussions or anything. It's frustrating enough, and I understand it enough to where it's like, that does suck. And maybe they should figure out a way to, to deal with people who are that laggy. Go for it, Steve. Uh, I've, I've got one bit of breaking news. Uh, Evil Geniuses has released Chris G from their team. Uh, this just came a, f a few minutes ago. They said, quote, we at EG value each member of our community and have zero tolerance for harassment. After investigation, it was evident that Chris's statements, though made in 2017, continue to have real harmful impact on our community. So Chris G, uh, no longer a part of Evil Geniuses, will probably have more on that uh, later next uh, next week. Interesting. I don't disagree with that. Um, it's an interesting way to phrase it, that they have zero tolerance, but waited until now. But... Yeah, very true. <laughs> That's very true. Whatever. Uh all right, we have to move on. Uh, Besteban is here with us, so unfortunately we do have to say goodbye to our own Michael Danka Schiller. Mike, uh, any parting words before we say goodbye? Um, 
Evo's coming up. It's not going to be the same, um, but let's stick through it and let's make it fun. All right. Later. Let's make it fun, he says. See you later, Mike. All right, and ladies and gentlemen, on the call with us, finally, is the man of the hour, Esteban, the best of oh. Martinez. Hello. How are you? That was a sick transition. That was a real sick transition, I got to say. Uh, yeah, it's the best of five season five, baby. We got, we're pulling out all the stops, including uh, the guest choice. Esteban, I have to be honest with you. Uh, I've That's tricked never you. followed by anything good. Yeah, I've tricked you to be here because I just wanted to get you on a public forum to say fuck you to your face because you eliminated me from my first ever local tournament at the Temple Sessions. So fuck you. I did, huh? Yeah. Suck, suck. It does. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, was the correct response, by the way. <laughs> no, uh, honestly, uh, I, I will never forget it. You blew up my scrubby Ibuki with your Ryu, and I was so upset on the entire bus ride to Westchester home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that I've been leaving lasting impacts since way that far back. <laughs> Yeah, and I figured that was something you wouldn't remember, so I wanted to I wanted to bring it up You're just correct. to get that off my chest because that's been boiling in there for I think that was in 2014, so it's been six years. God, Jesus. God, yeah, that was that was a lifetime ago at this point. <laughs> it feels like it. Oh man. All joking aside, Besteban, thank you so much for coming on the show. Glad to be I'm here. so happy you're here. We're gonna we're gonna talk about docs. We're gonna talk about all this other stuff. Uh, but first, before we get to that. Yes. When I lived in Philly and I was getting into the fighting game community, I would go to big events, I would go to temple sessions, I would do all this other stuff. I've always seen the Hold Back to Block logo. I've always seen Hold, Black, Hold Back to Block shirts. What in the world is Hold Back to Block? Uh, Hold Back to Block is, well, it's changed. It's changed since then, but uh, it currently is right now. It's a place where I do... It's a home for documentaries on fighting game community, like the fighting game community, fighting games. It's a place for documentaries and features, uh, and it's a whole channel built around kind of uh, looking at the legacy and future of the community and the genre itself. Yeah, because I also remember you put out a lot of uh, FGC moments at the time, yes. right? I remember you had uh, – the one I, the one that specifically sticks out in my mind was when Urian got announced at CEO – where you just put a camera on L.I. Joe going crazy. Yep. Uh, I think, were you also there for, was it Tommy Guns beating Crack Fiend that absolute battle? Or was no, that was else? Okay. Yeah, I, another one that people would know is um, uh, Hungry Box hitting the TV. Oh, uh, right. That's me as well. Right. <laughs> I yeah, that's right. the camera and find some cool stuff. <laughs> Man, uh, so you've been doing, I know you've been doing a lot of uh, video, videography, production work around the FGC for a long, long time. Uh, I know you, you've worked with Cross Counter for a bit. Uh, mm. I used to work with Cross Counter as well. Um, and now you're known for making these crazy, amazing documentaries. We were talking about some of them earlier, uh, like the Road to King of the Iron Fist, uh, the Rise of the FGC. Mm. And most recently, you got to release Fight On which I got to rewatch today, uh, the Killer Instinct documentary, and it is very good. It's amazing. Thank you. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm someone who sometimes doesn't enjoy documentaries, but I sat through it, and two hours flew by, and I didn't even realize it. Uh, I have a couple questions for you about it. First, why do a documentary on Killer Instinct? 
right? Because I, I uh, feel like this. I feel like you've been working on this for quite a while now, uh, especially with yeah. some of those interviews. So why it's Killer Instinct? About nine months of my life, essentially, I've been working on that <laughs> thing. Uh, probably even longer. Like it, it, when I I restarted Hold Back the Block maybe a year ago after spending a lot of time away because I was doing a lot of uh, commercial work, a lot of stuff in the scene, a lot of Bandai Namco, Capcom stuff like that, and. Uh, I came back with a renewed focus after working with a group called Noclip. Noclip does a lot of great gaming documentaries on kind of mainstream games, like things like Fallout and stuff like that. I worked with them for a little bit and kind of took a little bit of what I learned there and brought it to fighting games. So I had this focus of like doing, like, you know, hunting down and investigating stories and people and all that kind of stuff in fighting games. And Killer Instinct was always uh, a story I was fascinated by because it is such an interesting story, like even like in development. Like, development of Killer Instinct is fascinating. If you've seen the doc, you know what happens. But, like, that is a game that lost its developer one year into a season one. Like, it was even, like, one of the first games to even do, like, a seasonal novel. So the story had always been fascinating, and it was something I was always going to cover, like, sometime further down the road, like, when Hold Back the Block got a little bit bigger. But then the whole Bring Back KI movement kind of started, and I had chats with Max, I had chats with Rick, Thyher, um, and a whole bunch of people. Uh, and I was like, all right, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this now. And that's kind of why I uh, i wasn't even a KI player. I'm still not a KI player, really. Um, but uh, that's kind of what started me kind of going down the road and putting this together. Yeah, you might not be a KI player, but now you're a KI expert. Like you're a KI historian. A, a bit, a little bit. <laughs> you know more about KI than the KI player. I knew too, I know too much about KI. Like it's just like <laughs> random facts come out. Like I'm um, like, be walking around the house. I'm like, did you know this? I'm like, who am I even talking to? <laughs> Man, so you said you you this has been this has been something you've been actively working on for nine months. So, is it serendipity that the timing of the Bring Back KI movement started started happening, and then it got announced for Evo? Was that just complete coincidence? I think it was, it was more it was more the announcement of Evo because Bring Back KI is what got me to really kind of accelerate things. I was like, okay, this is this is what we do, but I didn't expect it to get like. I mean, there's a lot of things I didn't expect about this year to happen, mm-hmm. but I didn't expect that to happen, like to, to kind of come out. And that kind of uh, accelerated uh, plans. Like, I think I was kind of, I was like, I was sitting around thinking about releasing around Combo Breaker, and then Combo Breaker didn't happen. I also helped with the Combo Breaker retrospective, so I got really busy with that. And then I was like, when am I going to put this out? And then it gets announced for Evo, and I'm like, all right, so this is where, in this general time frame, is where I'm going to put it out. And so, you know, it was nice. It was nice that they got announced before I like started rendering stuff so I can kind of throw it in the outro a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's just weird timing. I'm really lucky like that. Yeah, you are. Now, Which is why you won that one set six years ago. No, you actually go, Steve. <laughs> since Alon needs some time to regather himself, let me ask you. Uh the sure. response to this, uh it's been it's it's been out for like two weeks, a little under three weeks. It's yeah. already at about one hundred fifty thousand views. It's one of your most popular uh, videos you've you've done on the site. Yeah. Uh, are you surprised at the response for this? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm kind of surprised. I knew it would do well. Like, I, I, to kind of explain the structure of like hold back to block. It's it's there's no ads. We don't run any ads, or I don't run any ads and videos. Um, it's all 100% patron funded through my Patreon, and some people give me donations stuff like that. Uh, so I don't really look at the views really. Like if one person likes it or like a thousand people like it, it's great. Uh, hopefully they become patrons and help me do more. But I did not expect this thing. Like I checked this, 
the, the charts. Like it, it's gotten me to, to look at YouTube backend stuff and like check like audience reception and, and charts and all that kind of stuff a lot more because like it just doesn't seem to be stopping, uh, which is like alarming because <laughs> I don't know where people are coming from to watch this video, but uh, it's it's done way better than I thought, uh, which makes me hopeful for more stuff because this was an interesting project in that. Uh, it was a project that was supposed to be a lot smaller than it was. Like it was going to interview maybe like seven or eight people. And then everybody wanted to talk about KI and then Microsoft heard I was doing it. And I thought they were going to like shut it down. But they were like, no, here's four people to talk about for the project. And all. like, so everybody wanted to talk about killer instinct. So I'm happy that it's done as well. And I'm happy that all these people that trusted me with this story, because there's, there's a lot of different pieces to juggle, uh, really dug it. And, uh, and, and you know, no one felt like I did a disservice to them. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the things that you covered in your doc was how the community, like, really banded around this game, right? So, um, having the community see something that uh, is made with so much love, uh, given back to them like that, I think is something that's super meaningful for a lot of people. Um, I have a question though. When I was watching this, one thing that really stuck with me was uh, the the whole. Uh, topic of how they used uh the silicon imaging stuff yes. uh which is the which is like how they rendered uh all the characters in uh rareware games which is also the same technology that they use for jurassic park and shit so yeah. that stuck with me uh and i think it will stick with me for a while because i had no idea that was even the case so in your journey covering uh or creating this documentary was there anything that like really took you by surprise when you were doing the research for it or when you were interviewing somebody it was the Buffy the Vampire stuff. The Buffy the okay. Vampire Slayer stuff. Because uh, I found out, like, I had heard about the engine that they had worked on and all this kind of stuff. And that was definitely going to be something I followed up on in, like, line of questioning and stuff like that. But I remember talking to... James Goddard was my point of contact at Microsoft. He's the one that reached out to see what I was doing and see if he could help anyway. And he said something about the Slayer engine. And I was like, this is that's like a weird name to name an engine. Like usually they're things like hex and stuff like that. So I was like, what's Slayer engine? So I looked up, you know, what the collective was, what they did, double helix as well. And there's like typed in Slayer engine. And there's a great guide or wiki on Moby games, I believe is the website. And they had a list of all the things that this engine had powered. And it was like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and like uh, Mark Echoes getting up and the Green Lantern game, like this whole legacy to it. And I was like, this is fascinating and why are there not more people talking about this because uh, another part of the, the goal of hold back to block is kind of to humanize development fighting game development i feel like we, we lack a bit of that in our community and to show just how difficult it is to make fighting games and like the, the tool like the trials and tribulations of making them so like i was fascinated by the story of like okay how do they turn this like weird 3d brawler that was licensed and based on like one of my favorite shows and how do we get from there to killer instinct? And that was like, that was like the core, one of the really core, uh, uh, aspects of the story that I really wanted to hit. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is hella wild <laughs> from Buffy to killer instinct. Yeah. Damn. Uh, what, what else did I want to ask? Damn it. Hold on. I accidentally exited out of my doc. Sorry. Uh, right, right, so, so, go for it, Steve. So let me jump in. Cause sure. you've, you know, you talked about learning so much about you know, about this game and and those stories about those those things that humanize development. Was there something uh, that you weren't able to include 
in this deck that you really, really wanted to? God, uh, there is, or there was, a 40-minute longer cut of this documentary, maybe oh, oh, God. or so before I launched it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I, right around the time I put out the trailer, like, so like two weeks before I launched it, the, the original cut was like two hours and 20 minutes long. Uh, and there was just a lot of stuff that cut for pacing or it just didn't have the time to really kind of like work it out. So there's a ton of stuff. Like there's a bunch of community stories. Uh, there's a bunch of de- de- yeah, developmental stories as well that just didn't make the final. Um, but I was able to kind of include the, the, the core stuff they wanted to. Like, I think the, I think the hardest thing to talk about um, because it still affects a lot of people to this day is the double helix, like losing, like losing killing on stake. Like that was even hard to get them to talk about on camera, like bow and Brandon and stuff like that. Like they, uh, it's still kind of is with them even to this day, like seven years later, like they worked so hard in this thing for a year, less than a year, and they put all their energy into it and then have it can take it away. Uh, was something that was like really I try to do my best to translate that in a way, but also in the interview process, not like, hammer them about it because it's still pretty raw um but there's also a lot of things like uh i have a whole 30 minute like side video that i'm working on right now about uh infill's guide like i sat down with him he's obviously in the documentary but also sat down with him and we talked for a good long while about what it took to build that guide and you know he didn't get any money for anything like that so like you know the passion that let him keep going even though like it was like a lot of pressure and a lot of struggle and like, you know, people look at the guide as like the Bible, right? The KI Bible. What if something's wrong? And how does he react to that and all that kind of stuff? So there's a lot of little personal stories. And that's why uh, over the next couple of months, we're releasing kind of like like one shots of KI stuff, similar to like the talking net code video I did with uh, Keats. Mm-hmm. So we'll get some of that stuff in there. Yeah. No, and I, I found it super interesting, uh, you getting Keats to talk about netcode stuff, because I think... What was it? It was him and Mike Z were both working with Iron Galaxy at the time. Yes. Uh, granted, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Double Helix released it with some rollback netcode. Yes. Okay. They, they had their version of, uh, I, I can't, I, I think Max said in one of his interviews that uh, actually Tony came in to consult at some point. One of the candidates came in to come in and mm-hmm. consult at one point to kind of just verify. But they did have GGPO in the original season one, and then Iron Galaxy took that and improved it further in later seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Iron Galaxy saving the world. Yeah. As uh, and like the funny thing about that Neko talk is uh, it's kind of connected to the Melee announcement yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in a roundabout way where uh, Jazz Fizzy, uh, the developer of Slippy, reached out to me when that video came out and was like, hey, I've been thinking about working on this thing that I can't really talk about. Uh, can you connect me to Keats? Because I really like your Neko video. So like way back, like months ago, I had them t- connect and talk. And you know, he, he put out a tweet today saying that without this video, there would not be rollback Neko. Damn. So you, you saved Melee. Uh, yes, I've done it. It's me. <laughs> Your savior has arrived. I did no work whatsoever outside of some editing of a video. Ignore the guy who actually programmed. For seven seven months. Months. Yeah. Don't worry about him. It's me, your savior. It's oh, all man. about Esteban That's right. Martinez. You, God, only no, name no. you need to know for Smash. Please, leave, leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> you, you mentioned... Uh, working on some other one shots, some other projects. Uh, is there, do you have 
sort of a white whale project? Is there something where you're like, okay, if I had infinite money and time wasn't necessarily a pressing thing, I could go after this story? Uh, I've been thinking about this lately. Probably, probably Smash. Like, uh, probably talking to Nintendo about the history and origins and development of the Smash series. Uh, I think... I think Nintendo doesn't have a lot of like historical documentaries on them, at least not done by them. Um, but I'm always fascinated about like their design philosophies. I think uh, one E3, I think it might have been when they were announcing Super Mario Maker. They had like Miyamoto and a few other folks like looking at like like old design uh, specs for like the original Super Mario Brothers stuff like that. And that fascinates me because there's a, there is some secrecy behind like Nintendo. Like uh, they're they're obviously like in that they're like the Disney of video games. I would say like they're very protective of their image. They're very protective of the properties and all this kind of stuff for for better or worse. But I would love to go into Smash like similarly what I did with Ki. Like go into Smash in terms of how it came together. I think you know even on Sakurai mentioned on that direct yesterday that they were planning to do like final smashes and in the N64 version and stuff like that. So like stuff like that fascinates me and, and sort of intertwine it with how big the game has gotten today with its community. So that would be like the big, big dream project. Who knows if that'll ever happen or who knows if I have to do a version of that, like without like Nintendo, like Nintendo, like being able to talk to them or anything like that. Um, but uh, I think like part of the reason why we don't run ads or, uh, we don't like you know commercialize the work and hold back the block so we can do stuff like that. There is no like, um, there's no limiting factor or anything like that. Like we can just tell the story the way it needs to be told, the way it should be told, uh, without like searching for like clickbait or all that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping if we can, if I can do more stuff like the Killer Instinct project, maybe we'll get to do stuff like that uh, one day. Whoops, I clicked the wrong button. That was cheesy. That was cool. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm still getting used to stuff, but uh, on the, on that same vein about uh, not uh, about maybe not getting to interview who you want, was there anybody in this KI documentary that you wanted to interview that you just didn't get the opportunity to? Or I think I got everybody I wanted to. I think I think I'd have to. There, there's so many people. I've I interviewed 18 people. Uh, we interviewed Ripped as well, but but I lost this interview due to like the hellish soundscape that is the esports arena mm-hmm. in SoCal. Uh, but so we we have I have 17 interviews and over 34 hours of like interview footage. So I think I interviewed too many people actually. Like there's mm-hmm. Nikki is only in the dock for like 30 seconds, which is like like I feel bad, <laughs> but but like it, everyone was competing for time. So I tried to make sure somebody got everybody got like their spot. Um, I think. If I were to, I, I have like some extra stuff from Ken Log, and I kind of want to expand that like original KI, like KI one and two development part. And so I want to talk to more folks from Rare. I know that somebody from Rare actually really likes the doc, and we we're chatting a little bit on Twitter recently about maybe seeing if we can find some of the old team and start to talk to them remotely. So I, I think I have more people I want to talk to now after doing the documentary. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, reverse but i got everybody i wanted so i got more than i did too that's awesome uh and rare uh to get everybody you want to interview no pun intended ah, um, no, no pun intended uh now basically the same joke in the voiceover for the first <laughs> voiceover <so it's> <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> uh okay let's talk about sandwiches that's let's that, not that seems to be like the big <laughs> takeaway from this <laughs> from this video <laughs> 
uh, how do you look at sandwiches differently now? Uh, I I don't because I I I question more the sanity of Sajam and the sandwiches that he's eating because mm. I don't think he's ever seen a sandwich before, but it worked for the metaphor. <laughs> right. Uh, did you feel uh, uh, bad? You about know, him? I w- go for it. Having having watched Combo Breaker twenty nineteen and all of those ads he did, I can assure you he has seen a sandwich. <laughs> At least <laughs> one. So Multiple actually, I was times, in charge. But... I was in charge of that shoot. Actually, I sent uh, Phil Nolan and him over to Portillo's, and I just gave him the instructions of just order a bunch of food and like have him comment on it and just eat stuff, <laughs> and those will be the stingers. <laughs> I I actually had a funny joke of like if Comic Record happened this year, we we're going to do the same thing, but like sit hit him at the table, and he would like try to run away from the sandwiches. Like I can't do any more, bros. <laughs> I can't do it. And like, just yelled him off camera. You got it, and just cut to like commercial break. So hopefully, we get to do that one day. <laughs> Bam! Save it for twenty twenty one. Did you feel bad about having to butcher a sandwich while making that analogy, though? So I actually, I, I did like a little director's commentary stream for charity uh, like last week, and because uh, people, everyone was like, I can't believe he wasted food. I can't believe he wasted the sandwich. How dare he! Um, but what I did was actually, so like my table's like back here ish somewhere and, uh, I'd set, set everything up with lights and stuff like that. And I put a towel actually on the floor and I had chucked the sandwich, like in a way where it looked like I just threw it across the room, but I actually, I threw it across the room, but I hit the towel. That was actually my lunch. Like I actually I broke everything down. I <laughs> ate that sandwich. Uh, <laughs> so I was, I took extra care to not get it everywhere because, cause I was hungry. <laughs> Dang, so it, the sandwich for, is not only a metaphor, but also lunch. That's right. That's Putting your sustenance on the line. That is right. that is dedication to your art. Hey, man, it's guerrilla filmmaking. We gotta, I, like, I have like this space to work with. I can't go outside or something like that. We got to do what we got to do. So on that, on that same vein for food, you also listed caffeine as one of your special thanks. Uh, yes. So how much caffeine was involved? In uh, probably the human allowance. Did you feel the like the the caffeine limit? Oh yeah, like you know, it was either I was gonna die or go super saiyan. Like it was one of those two (laughs) things were about to happen. Uh, Thankfully, the Stacy's pita chips also helped me bring like it leveled things out. It brought down. (laughs) Hell yeah! Uh, And uh, one of my one of my final questions here, uh, unless Steve has anything else after me, but I did want to ask on the opposite vein of all this, what? was the absolute most challenging part of putting this documentary together. Uh, I know you, I know you had talked about like you were worried about the reception or not, not worried about the reception, but uh, you wanted to do right by its community and by all this other stuff and how everything just kind of snowballed into this huge project. So having something with so many moving parts, I'm super curious, like, was there anything that was like your worst fucking nightmare to have to deal with uh, and to have to muddle through? I think like it wasn't like a like a horrible nightmare, but like it was making sure that the story was right. Um, in terms of we have three different development, like three different like development houses. We have Double Helix, we have Iron Galaxy, we have Microsoft. Um, we also have you know Ken's experience with the older games, and then we have you know Rare and every, everybody there that has done stuff as well, like with the original games. And then we have the community as well. Like there's there's a whole other side to the community. You know, 
you know, to the point where like some people would not talk to me about balance changes because like they're still mad about balance stuff like that. So it was it was making sure that we got the development story right, which was I'm infinitely thankful to James Goddard at Microsoft because I sent him stuff and he like didn't even blink. Didn't, the Microsoft guys were super cool. Like I, I was actually super worried about like having because we try to be like hands off with development houses, and not give anybody like, you know, review cuts or anything like that. Uh, so when I brought to James, like, Hey, I'm having some the people, some place said this, somebody said this, can you help me like, um, piece this all together? And he went back and he grabbed emails and all this kind of stuff. And he was able to help me. Okay. This is the timeline. This is this, this is, this is this. So that helped me tremendously. And they were super cool with like helping me out because they, they wanted to see this do, do good. Uh, everybody at the team, like both with Microsoft, Double Helix, Iron Galaxy, everybody wanted this to do well. So everybody came out to help me. Everyone gave me their time. Uh, and then on the development side, but also to uh, the community side to also represent that as well, not like sugarcoat it or not be biased. Like that Keats section where where he talks about um, you know, the difficulties with balancing games and the reception, you know, there's a lot of bias there, like both you know, with him as well as like the, the people that were kind of coming out against him and stuff like that. So it's really important for me to, to remain as neutral as I could look at the evidence in front of me in terms of like, you know, all, I went through ultracombo.com for like two days and like, I think I read everything and I never want to see a forum again. Uh, like going through like <laughs> tweets and all this kind of stuff uh, and, and kind of really, you know, you know, put, the story out there and and now also not putting anybody on blast like i don't I, again i wasn't a cat player i wasn't the community so i'm not trying to put specific people on blast for especially people i don't know but how can we best represent the story without bias as somebody that i'm here and as somebody like you know as it's being the story is being told to so i think those were like really challenging parts and also managing um the length like it, this is the, one of the longest things i've ever done i think it is the longest documentary i've ever really done uh, and, you know, even adding an additional five minutes or taking five minutes or two minutes or anything like that, like those are really tough choices in the edit and you have to sit there and you have to watch it. I think I watched this thing at least four times a day or something like that. Like even when it was like in the longest, it's longest like, two hour and 20 minute version. Um, and it's a lot of like internal gut checks of what you think is good and what you think will shine and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, only one other person really watched it before I, I put, started putting B-roll in it, and that was Rick, because he was, he was close enough to the story where he could kind of verify a lot of things and, and tell me what he would think would be missing or, or can be taken out, but not too close where like, he was like actually developing the game or anything like that. So um, that was it, and the rest was on me. So it was a lot of kind of making sure the story shines do, making sure you're trying to remain as neutral as possible, and then you get it accurate and also kind of checking yourself as an editor to uh, make sure it's good. How are you? Last question. What's next? I know you, you uh, talked about the Smash stuff. Is there anything else that you're hungry Jesus. to get working on now? That, or is it going to be vacation time? Uh, no, it's not vacation time. There is no vacation time because uh, <laughs> I think if I sit at my couch and look at the ceiling for another day, it would just be horrible consequences. Uh, <laughs> I started working on like the next four videos today, I think. Yeah. Uh, or yesterday, today, kind of like just did logistical stuff. But like, yeah, you know, we got uh, something with doing, I did a couple of videos with like Gerald and Emily, like Gerald of Core Gaming and Emily of Equinox. I have another one of those with uh, Wooly Wolves, who's a Let's Player. He used to be a formerly Super Best Friends. Now he has a channel called Wooly Versus. Does a lot of Let's Plays, but incorporates a lot of fighting games into it. So did a, doing a small feature on him. 
we might be doing some, or I might be doing some like stuff on Slippy and like just like kind of general melee tech that's been used to kind of keep the game going, you know, 20 years after it's released. So that's something like there. I have the, the info video for Killer Instinct as well as a bunch of other Killer Instinct supplemental material. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. I also have another like full length doc on. Uh, GDQ, which will be like the first like non-fighting game thing I do, roll back to block as well. Mm-hmm. That I'm working on. Yeah, that is awesome. And what is the best way for people to support what you do at Hold Back to Block? Where should people? Uh, the the best way to support uh, uh, the, the 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 best thing you can do is watch the videos and share them and tell your friends about them. You can watch them at YouTube.com/slash Hold Back to Block. You can follow me at Twitter.com/slash The Best of On, or you can follow the Hold Back to Block account at, at Twitter.com/slash back to block and if you really like everything that i'm doing uh you can support me at patreon.com slash hold back to block i try to do a lot for patrons i give them a bunch of early cuts like i think i had shared that agonos segment from the documentary like a month after i filmed everything so they got really early looks to kind of watch everything as i was making it um so yeah patreon.com slash hold back to block uh, i know the times are tough so i don't expect people to, like throw a tons of money at the screen but if you can offer like a little bit I, it's better than nothing. But yeah, just you know, follow the channel, watch the videos, and, and spread the word. Word to that. Steve, anything else? Um, no, I got some ideas for uh, a 30 for 30 that I, if I have a million dollars, I'm commissioning you on. But we'll, we'll talk about that off screen. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, our time I really is hope up. you have that million dollars. <laughs> I, I hope I have that million dollars. <laughs> Alrighty, well, that is our time. Esteban, I want to thank you again for coming on. Uh, it, this has been a long time coming. I'm glad I finally got to relinquish that the weight off of my shoulders of losing to you uh, in Philly six years ago. Uh, and I'm also very I'm happy you came on. To, do that for you. Dude, It's it's been great. I feel great. Uh, I'm also super happy we got to chat about this documentary because uh, I've been playing a lot of Killer Instinct uh, recently, and I didn't grow up with it, so I completely missed the boat on it. So getting to see this doc and getting even more immersed in it has been super amazing and i'm very glad you took the time to chat with us a little bit about it i'm glad i'm very thankful for being on here thanks for having me word we will chat with you some other time sir all right take care goodbye steve this has been Uh, the season five launch of best of five it's been fun uh before we go special thanks to uh grown-up mike so for 23 months in a row. Thank you, Grown Thank Up you. Mike. Much appreciated. Um, I think we missed a couple of topics, but we can come back next week and uh, and chat some more. Right? We're not. I will definitely. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely be talking about that uh, Chris G stuff too. Once again, uh, E.G. Evil Genius is releasing Chris G with immediate effect uh, during our show uh, related to comments he made on Facebook. Uh, back in 2017. So we'll have more on that next week. Yeah, we got to let it develop because uh, we don't we don't have opinions on it without the facts. But all right, I have been Elon. That has been Steve. Earlier we had Mike Daka Schiller on. And again, special thank you to Esteban for coming on. Uh, go watch Fight On or any of his other documentaries. They're truly, 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 truly worth watching. Uh, it's, it's nice to see somebody cataloging the shit we're doing. Uh, in the FGC. So, always a blast. Uh, am I missing anything? I feel like I'm forgetting something. Uh, Ultra Chen's got a special episode. They've got some uh, 
black members of the FGC coming on to share their stories about being black in the FGC. So we should turn it over to them. Okay, then go watch Ultra Chen. Go support Black Lives Matter. Go support everything that needs supporting. Uh, Times are rough, but we're always here. So thank you, everybody, and we'll catch you all next week. I punched my microphone. Good night, Canada. (laughs) 